love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. Haley, I have been, I feel like saying how mild the winter here in Vermont had been. And it was really a gift for my marathon training this season. And the tides have turned. It is now officially winter. We are under a normal amount of snow. Finally here, I am, I did another long run on the treadmill last weekend. And I think I think like 90% of my running has been on the treadmill in the last week, which has been interesting when you run 70 miles in a week. Um, so I, but like, I think I feel like it was timed right enough that the end is in sight. Like, I feel like I'm in the last couple weeks of the marathon build so I can see the end of the light and I don't feel like it's going to just go on and on forever, which is good. Um, so I'm, I feel like mentally I'm still in a good spot, but how are you? You've also been training for racing early season, um, this year. And so how are you feeling getting ready, like to go here soon? You're racing before I am. So you have Miami just around the corner. Yeah. I'm like, I actually was, uh, just trying to, uh, write out a beautiful Instagram caption about how I'm doing so much race specific training (laughs) with a picture of me running in the snow. Um, I, I mean, it's obviously not specific training for Miami. It's been very cold here. I love the cold, but I like good challenges and that's why I'm headed to Miami. And I just try to tell myself, you know, I think I'm an athlete who's really good at handling extremes. And so I think that extreme cold and extreme hot, like, yes, they are very different, but the common thing is that they're both really hard. And so if you can handle one, maybe you can handle another with a good heat management plan. Um, so I'm hopeful, you know, I've had, I've had good races in the heat. I won Ironman Fortaleza, incredibly hot Ironman 13th in Kona. I have done okay in the heat. Um, this will be, you know, it's a little different when it's March, but I'm just reminding myself it's, it's March for everyone. So we'll just see what happens, but I just love these class races and I I love the experience of racing on these racetracks. And so I don't want to skip that just because I'm afraid of the heat. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and I will say, you know, I, I'm, I live two hours behind you in actual time, but I feel like I like to live a couple days ahead of you in weather wise, because you know, the weather usually moves West to East and you got nice weather coming. Don't worry. It's really, really nice. The last couple of days have been really nice, really warm, really pleasant to be outside and, um, just hang in there. Oh, that's good. Good to hear. And one of the things that has been getting me through some of these like training sessions indoors, you know, cause like outdoors, I feel like I can get pepped up to like, go, I get to bring max and be like, okay, I have a little running partner, you know, something like that. But then indoors, it takes a little bit more. And Haley, we got some, uh, treats from that's it coming when they came on board as an iron women, uh, podcast sponsor again. And there's nothing I love more than treats. So I like fully investigated, you know, the snacks so I could ration things appropriately. And one of the favorite things I found was a new product for me with that this time around. And it was the kick mini coffee energy bars. So they had thrown a few into the box and I am, this is like my new obsession, Haley. So each bar has the same amount of caffeine as a cup of coffee 
they're like a miniature little chocolate I was trying the chocolate ones chocolate like bar and I'm I'm literally obsessed with them they're my new favorite thing and when I asked you before we started recording how you felt about these I found out that you didn't even know that they, you didn't fully investigate your snacks. I didn't. I'm the worst. I am the worst at opening packages. I'm the worst at checking my mail. I am. I'm just the worst, but like, I did get the, that's it box. I did open it. And then I think the like fig ones were at the top. And so I just started there and I was just like working my way down. So I hadn't made it to the, uh, the kick. And oh. so then I thought I didn't even get them and you were like, go check. And so I did, I checked the cabinet cause I had put stuff away, but it came in a box that looked like a little present. I just thought they were just a bunch of minis in there. And then I opened it and I was like, oh, I did get them. I just thought maybe they like sent different things. So should I try it live on air? Should I try yes. the chocolate or the vanilla? Live, live tasting because it's only one twenty-four there, which I feel like is an appropriate time for an afternoon coffee kick. And I think you should try, I mean, I would go with dark chocolate. You're like a chocolate person, right? I would go with dark chocolate. I'm a chocolate person. I'm usually not a dark chocolate person. Uh Like I want my, I like my chocolate full of sugar, um, but I'll try it. You know, I'm like live on air. Okay. So like an ASMR. This is like, (laughs) it looks like a tiny little piece of chocolate. Yeah. Like it's, it's like two inches. Like it's smaller than it's like, um, yeah, it's small like a little bigger than an AirPods case. It is good. It kind of reminds me, I have like a very soft spot in my heart for um, old school, like chocolate power bars. Yeah, uh, agreed. It's that kind of consistency for sure. But it's much smaller. It's much smaller. It's much smaller. Than- and it's that thinner. Is, it's not it's as like thick because the power bars were like a little thicker and then they got kind of weird because it was so thick, but this is like nice and thin. Yeah, it, you can anything- eat that in like three bites. Three bites it's a and full it's, cup of coffee. Yes, it's so nice. So everyone, if you're like me and you hate having Cowboy to get up a would little like bit, you can have chocolate, buddy. He's like, he's like, what are you eating? He's like, no, I'm like, sorry, the wrapper, no chocolate, the wrapper. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they're perfect because if you work out early, like me, I have a little bit of a drive to the pool, so I get up early and I get in the car. I just grab my kick bar and my breakfast, and I eat while I drive, so that I am as efficient as humanly possible going to the early swim and. I, it's my new obsession. That's my new, my yeah. morning routine now. So if you want to try these iron women listeners, you can use the code iron women at that's it fruit. Yep. That's it fruit.com. And you'll yeah. get 20% off your order and also good. throw in the normal bars. Cause those are really good snacks too, but these you got to try. Yeah. I do like the fig bars, but, <laughs> but yeah, that is, I'm glad you, I'm glad you told me about that. That it's going to be great. It's going to be great for my trip. I feel like they'd be really easy yes. to, uh, to pack. And then, um, I am someone who loves some caffeine, so that'll be good. Maybe my bike ride this afternoon. will be like a little extra pep in my step now, but, uh, thank you for that. I did want to go back to your treadmill run a little bit. I was just curious what, if you, um, you know, there was some like actual good race coverage this past weekend. Did you get to watch the, uh, super league arena games on, like, did you watch that? You didn't watch that while you were running? I'm guessing I should have. No, instead I watched, I bought a, watched, I caught up on Lucy Charles Barclay, um, her most recent videos. I hadn't seen the last like three or four. So that killed an hour for me. And then I watched really, I think I watched just a couple ski videos and then an hour of Taylor Swift music videos to get me through the last hour. (laughs) That's my go-to. Yeah. Is there like a channel that you can just like, you know, just like play them? Do you just go to like her channel and it just like plays them? So people have made playlists so you can like find another person made it's like taylor swift music video playlist and then you can just and that way it rolls through them all one after the other and it's lovely 
I've never actually like done that. I'm definitely, uh, yeah, I probably should. That would probably be good. But, um, I did watch the super league arena games in Montreal while during my ride this weekend. And, oh, I had so much, I just loved watching it. I thought it was really well done. I mean, if anyone needs trainer material for, um, keeping yourself occupied, I, I, I talk a lot about how I love watching other people exercise that it's just like a well done production. You can just find it on YouTube free. Um, but uh, it's, they do like three mini races, like in a pool. So they're at the pool in Montreal. And so they swim in the pool, 200 meters, and then they hop on their trainer, like right there on the pool side on the bike ride four kilometers on Zwift, which is like, you know, I'm new to the Zwift appreciation. And then, then they hop on like a self-powered treadmill and run one kilometer. Oh. And, and then you get 10 minutes rest, but the 10 minutes start when the first person finishes. So if you're like further behind, you get less rest. Okay. And, and then the second, that's the round one. And then you get 10 minutes and this round two is reverse. So the oh. run, bike, swim, which I'm like, Ooh, have you ever done that? Have you ever done a reverse triathlon? No, no. I know. I, f- I feel you? like I've seen it. No, I haven't. Yeah. But okay. I'm like, every time you watch it, like the swim looks so painful. I mean, there's definitely a reason why the traditional triathlon doesn't go that order. Um, but... I did the, the year that the wildflower had the swim was the water level was so low. It was like the swim run bike run basically. Yeah. And that was really confusing. And so I imagine that doing this in reverse would also be very, like, I just remember getting into T one out of more. And then everyone was like putting on the wrong shoes. Like no one could remember exactly what they were doing there. So I imagine you really have to like stay focused to tell yourself like what you're doing next. Cause your body is probably, probably auto-programmed to know it's like swim by run. Right. And also I was thinking like, you have to put a cap and goggles on yeah. <laughs> like in your transition. And I was like, oh my goodness, I think for like enough money, I was like, how much money would I need to like shave my head to like have yeah. a faster transition? Cause the transitions definitely matter. Oh, These races yeah. take like 12 minutes, like the whole thing. It's Did pretty you have- short. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third round is like a pursuit. So it's like, however many seconds, like the first person has built up, they get to go first and it's swim, bike, run, but fast and furious racing. I mean, really cool. And also when it's in that arena set up, you know, they have at least that, that probably helps a little bit with the confusion. Cause you have like a little transition, True. but you have to reset it after each like event, well, you know, you only have like less than 10 minutes. And, um, and then it's also, uh, like your, tr- again, transitions matter a lot. And, um, I can't remember what I was trying to say with this, but it's just like, it was, oh, you, the viewership, like you get to hmm. see a lot. You can see like they're wearing heart rate monitors. They have power meters. You get to see that on screen. Like what is their heart rate? What is the power? And which is just cool. It's very fascinating. I think it was like really fun to watch Gina Serino, American, like ran away with the win, really ran away. She her running was incredible. I think she ran at university of Michigan is what they said. And so, uh, short course athlete, but, um, you know, really impressive, like a newer, I don't know if she's new, actually, I think she's like 27, but just newer name to me. Um, but really, really impressive racing by Gina. And then Sophie Lynn from Australia was second. And then Dominica Jim was third, who is actually like, I thought was our, um, you know, our kind of long course representative, mm-hmm. um, cause she has raised 70.3s and I think she was in Daytona last year, had a really, really strong race come in third. And she's also uh Canadian. So I think that was also, they definitely love the Canadians. Um, uh, of course, like that, one of the headliners for the event was Lionel Sanders and who raced in the men's race. They did the women's races all first. And then they did the men's races. And, um, I mean, it was fun to watch Lionel, like compete with these short course athletes. And he, 
held his own. I mean, it's hard when you're not a super strong swimmer, when a 200 meter swim, like it's just, it's not very long, but like these races are so short. And if you get, you know, 30 seconds behind, that's a bit, lot of time, a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I saw, and he did, did he end up fourth? Is that what I saw? Sixth, sixth, Sixth. which I thought, I mean, if you watch it, it's like, so it is very entertaining, very entertaining, Mm -hmm. crushing it on the bike. Like his, the second one was definitely better for him where it was like when it was run bike swim. And, um, you know, you can tell he's an endurance athlete. And that was another thing, which just like interesting having someone like Lionel in there, um, like he was pushing like 400 Watts and his heart rates, like in the one thirties. And then oh. you have some of the other guys who are pushing 400 Watts, but their heart rates in the one seventies, which I don't think that necessarily means like Lionel's going easier. I think it just helps like illustrate how heart rates are different. Yeah. yeah and it's just yeah. like, I'm sure Lionel's max heart rate is very different than some of these other guys. And, and then you did see some people do some crazy things. Like one of the guys like swam without goggles to like try to save that time (laughs) and transition. So it was like, it's very entertaining. I would love to do one of these races. I feel like I would really need to practice transitions, um, because they, you know, that's a big part of your time. So I really need to work on that, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like, this is, it's kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's super fun. I may, if I can go watch it, maybe I'll save it for, I'm assuming I will be on the treadmill still a lot this week. So I'll save it for that. Um, and Haley, I checked the iron women podcast at gmail.com mailbag and it was empty, but you had a good surprise for us today. I did. I think I got, I can call this a mailbag. I got a question over Instagram DM from Juliana and she wanted to know if I'd been following NCAA swimming, seeing it all. She said, February has been such an amazing month in terms of records and personal best. It'd be amazing to hear your thoughts on that. So I am a huge fan of NCAA swimming. I definitely don't follow it as closely as I once did when I was an NCAA swimmer, but I, I follow it, you know, a lot of my the people that I swam with are now coaches, which is kind of cool. So I follow their teams. And I've also follow university of Georgia, of course, just because I love it. And I, I have followed some of the conference racing, um, recently just because it's so fast, as she mentioned, it's like, it's, it's wild how fast everyone is swimming now. And the NCAA division one championship, they are coming up on March 15th through 18th in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I think, um, I'm not sure about actual live broadcast. I'd have to look that up, but, um, definitely, it'll be interesting to watch it. Hopefully they have somewhere where you can like watch it live because I think as triathletes and fans of sport, like, I think we can learn a lot by even watching short, fast races and, um, by some of these athletes. But I think one of the athletes that uh, we all love watching is Kate Douglas, who is, uh, at your alma mater, Alyssa university of Virginia and UVA has won the women's NCAA championship division one, like last two years, I think. And I think they are the favorites going into 2023 as well. And Kate is so fascinating because last year she won the 50 free, the hundred fly and the 200 breaststroke. And I was trying to think of like uh, a comparison in running for like the range that that is because to win a 50 free and a 200 breaststroke, like most people do not even swim those two events. And to win both is just like wild. Like it would be like winning like the long jump and like, like the steeple chase and also like the 1500 in track. Like, it's just like, 
I'm sure if you're like good enough, like, yeah, you can probably, but that usually doesn't happen. Like it usually like, yeah, you could probably steeple. You're probably a decent jumper, but I'm, I'm imagining steeple chasing and long jumping are very different. Jumpers. Or you get someone who's like above average at all of them. And they do the, is it the decathlon? Pentathlon? Yeah. I mean, you know, or I something think, yeah, like that, but like, is the women's but to like win the individual. Yeah. Like it's very out, hard. Very and also, hard. I mean, Kate Douglas. Okay. We talked 5,300 fly to an arrest. She's the bronze medalist from Tokyo in the 200 IM. So oh. in a totally different event. And I think that's like, um, uh, I think the, like, uh, who makes the NCAA championship is going to be announced later this week. So it hasn't come out yet. And I'm not sure when we'll know exactly which events people are racing, but it'll be really interesting to see what she decides to race because, um, what might she swim the 200 IM in place of the 50 free, which would make a really, really fun race to watch. Um, because her teammate, Alex Walsh is, uh, Olympian as well. And I am, and it would just be really fun to watch the two of them race each other. Um, if we see that, I don't know, but it's going to be regardless, there's a lot of really fast racing that's going on at the NCAA level. And it gets me excited because I mean, we're only like two years out from the Olympics. (laughs) So it's, I mean, team USA is still the pipeline looks very strong. Yeah, no, that's so exciting. I think, um, I love watching swimming, just individual. It does like pump me up to get to like swim more and to like, make you think that you can swim faster and like better too. Right. Even though there's zero, it's like, I don't watch track and think like I can do that. Or like, I don't think it's like as helpful to me to watch as it is for like swimming. I don't know. There's something about just like swimming. It is like, it's very, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but it, maybe because swimming, you're like so isolated when you are swimming that like, you're, you know, I can like think about those events. Cause it's like, what else am I going to think about? I can't hear anything. I can't talk to people. Right. So I can just like, think about these people I've been watching Katie Ledecky. Let me try and swim like Katie Ledecky. Right. And you don't have that like outside view of yourself. So I feel like you're like really able to pretend that you're emulating these people more. I don't know. It's really inspiring. So I get excited for when it is broadcast and when it is swim season and Olympic swim season and all of these, we have a little bit of a wait, but that's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, this is what's going to hold us over watching these uh, NCAA championships. So mark your calendar again, 15th through 18th of March this month. And um, and be sure to watch that. In the meantime, there are a few triathlons that are happening this weekend. I think we have both uh, Ironman South Africa and Ironman New Zealand. Not sure I'm broadcasting, but you know, you can check Ironman Facebook page, Ironman Watch. Maybe they'll be on there, but um maybe like those are a little bit hard for our time zone. I don't know if I'll, I'll be watching it live. I guess you can wake up in the morning sometimes and see the finish for at least South Africa. I think I've done that one before, but, um, it's just kind of fun to see where people are, see them kicking off the Ironman season and, uh, you know, just kind of how things shape up for the rest of 2023. Yeah. I feel like both of those races indicate that triathlon season is here, right. It's like, we get those and then a little bit of the break as the racing kind of ramps up a bit more, but that is like the good indication that at least in our hemisphere, Ironman season is upon us. So that's good. And those are um, both not in our hemisphere, but, oh yeah, but I guess like when those happen, then it means like our hemisphere is like almost happening. I guess is what I want to say. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it does. Cause like I would, I would often race in New Zealand for like that early season race. And then by the time we get all the way here, you do a little bit more training. It's like Ironman season here, you know, like Ironman Texas or whatever, kicking it off here. Um, it's right around the corner. So, um, 
good. Good to see those are happening. It will be fun to watch. And I, I see Meredith Kessler on the start list for Ironman New Zealand. I know she loves that race. She has a, like, they gave her a key to that city. So, um, will be fun to watch. What's the name of the city? Topo. <laughs> <That was Topa. laughs> oh gosh. I mean, I always, I mean, in my heart, I still feel like I say Taupo when I'm ever, I'm not like on the spot, but yeah, it's, it's one of those and it's a great city and everyone should go visit and race there. So do that. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. What another one, Gwen Jorgensen, I feel like we should bring this up. Gwen Jorgensen raced in, was she in, in Topa? Topo. <laughs> in New Zealand. She did race in New Zealand this past weekend, third at the, I think it was a continental cup there, but still very cool to see her back in a race. I, I admit, like I got a little bit like goosebumpy, like just, it was really cool. I really admire what she's doing, like coming back. And I think she's, it was her first triathlon in seven years. That's crazy. So, yeah. So cool. So cool. Gold medalist making a comeback very cool. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a fun kicking off fun year and some other fun that's happening coming up here that people need to keep an eye out for Haley is international women's day is coming up. We will be celebrating this at feisty media and doing a live podcast recording, not iron women, but, um, the women's performance podcast is doing a live recording on why equal opportunity is no longer enough. So that's going to be happening at March 7th at 4 PM Pacific time, 7 PM Eastern time. It'll be a panel conversation about what it means to embrace equity in sport. And you can hear from four really great guests. They have Khadija Diggs, Allison Tetrick, Marley Blonsky, and Jessica Tuamela. I hope I said that right, Jessica. I'll be listening to hear the correct pronunciation and I promise I'll get it right afterwards. We'll make up for that if I didn't get it. Um, but you can sign up. There will be a link in the show notes here if you want to get information on how to watch that live at womensperformance.com forward slash IWD. All right. And we have a really exciting interview for you all this week. So if you watched the uh, 2022 Clash Watkins Glen documentary or the Clash Daytona live show or the highlight show, um, I definitely told you to watch all of those. So hopefully you did, but you probably noticed uh, Shannon Spake. She was one of the commentators for both of those events. And she is usually on the broadcast team for major televised sports like NFL and NASCAR. You might've seen her at the Daytona 500 a few weeks ago, but Shannon's also a triathlete herself. And last year she did add triathlon commentary to her professional resume. And I think we're all very lucky to have her, her prof professionalism really shown through in those commentary uh, teams. And so I talked to Shannon about her own racing and her return to running after a hamstring injury last summer or last spring and how that led to her during the summer asking about joining the clash commentary team and working with clash at Watkins Glen. And so I asked Shannon about both of those experiences and why she feels like the hard work of being a triathlon commentator is worth it, even when it doesn't quite get the attention as a NASCAR and NFL, but why she does it, why, why commentate on triathlon. And I think her passion for the sport will show through in her answers there. Um, I also asked Shannon if we will be seeing her working in clash Miami and spoiler alert, the answer is yes. Um, so we will have that interview right after word from our sponsors. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. 
I'm so excited that you asked me to do this, Haley. So excited. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And I'm going to start this interview with like the weirdest, creepiest question ever, because is the birthday on your Wikipedia page, July 23rd? Is that right? Yeah, that's your birthday too, right? Yes. Wait, how did you know? Okay, of course you knew that. Because I did a you research on you before I interviewed you for the Clash Watkins Glen. But I don't have a Wikipedia page. So I'm like, <laughs> how did you find that out? I mean, it's like, we'll we'll get into like your work ethic and just how you get your information. And because I know what I put on the internet and it's like, not, not what's on the internet about you. <laughs> it's all like old stuff from 2010 when I was like into blogging, but um, yeah, we're birthday twins. So that's kind of cool. I mean, that means that you're, I, I mean, I don't know if you're into astrology and all that, but I think we're Leos. Do you First feel like you're a Leo, Leo, right? First day yeah, of Leo. On the cusp. On the cusp. I feel like a Leo. Do you feel like a Leo? In some ways, but I also think that I have a ton of cancer qualities because I think that Leos tend to be um, and, and please, Leos, don't be offended because I am one, but I feel like they tend to be a lot more self-absorbed and um, yeah. really kind of uh, selfish in ways. And I feel like cancers from from all that I've read over the years, uh, my, my four decades on the earth, because I used to be really into astrology when I was younger. You know, you, every one of us were, right? You'd read the horoscope in the newspaper every day or on the back of your like People magazine or Cosmo magazine. Yes. Um, but I, I feel like cancers, they're, they're kind of hard on the outside is what they say. They've got this exterior shell, but then once you kind of dig down deep, they're super soft. And I, I definitely feel like that's how I am. I am like an all in person. I'm super emotional. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Uh, the, the best thing that I ever had someone say about me, my, my girlfriend, Jamie Little, who I work with at Fox Sports, uh, they, they interviewed her about me. And she said with Shannon, what you see is what you get. And I feel like as I've gotten older, it's only more and more. Like I share everything with everybody. I have no secrets. I'm not ashamed of anything in my life. And um, and I feel like maybe that's a lot of the cancer quality in me. Okay. I think I got all the bad Leo qualities, the self-absorbed, <laughs> no. the narcissism, the thinking no. the, the world resolves around me. Um, I like being the center of attention, all that. So, I do like being the center of attention. But <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe I should lean more into the, like the, the cancer side sometime. But when I told people I'd be chatting with you, the most common question I got was how did she get into triathlon? So I read that you grew up swimming, ran your first marathon with your dad and then found triathlon through NASCAR. Do I have that roughly correct? Yes. So I, um, I had my kids in 2010. I had run two marathons at that point. I had done the Disney marathon with my dad in 05. I think it was, it was either 05 or 04. And then the following year I did New York by myself, trained by myself, did it by myself. And then, you know, got busy with work and the kids and all that stuff. In 2014, I got taken off the NASCAR beat, uh, and moved over to college sports. So from from pretty much from April to September, I had off, which was great. But at the same time, I thought to myself, I'm going to drink wine every single night. So I better find something to occupy my time. And there were a couple of NASCAR drivers who had done some sprint triathlons at that point. Jimmy Johnson was one of them. Casey Kane was one of them. And I was like, all right, I mean, I, I, I've done some marathons, so I know I can run. I used to be a swimmer. The bike portion was really the only unknown. And I was like, let me just buy a bike off, you know, eBay or whatever and, um, or Facebook marketplace. And, and let me see if I like
like this. And I, and I trained for a sprint, loved it the next year. So I started off pretty slow. Uh, the next year, 2015, I trained for an Olympic. I crossed the finish line and I was like, I love this. I want to do a longer distance. And so then I started training for a 70.3. And then I got involved with the Ironman folks and the Ironman foundation. And it sort of rapidly progressed. I was doing two or three 70.3s uh, a year uh, on top of maybe throwing in a marathon here and there. I know it's like funny. Some people are like, I'm going to go do a triathlon. I'll do a sprint. I'm like, I'm going to do a triathlon. It's got to be a 70.3. Or if I'm going to race a, you know, an endurance race, it's going to be a marathon, not a, you know, a 5k. Um, so yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed my time in the sport. It's, uh, it's been my lighthouse. I've said that in interviews before. It's been the thing that's kept me on a straight path, uh, emotionally and spiritually and, and physically and, and all of the above. Uh, one, one football coach, um, Nick Saban once said uh, to me, or, or I heard him say that he always felt like his players learned more about themselves in times of adversity. And I feel like every single day as a triathlete, you're putting yourself through some kind of adversity and you're learning something about yourself. And I found that to be very, very true. And uh, I mean, it's been, it's been the world to me for sure. Yeah. Longer events, more time for, uh, to overcome things. Um, but I, I did listen to some of those other podcasts that you've been on. I think you talked with Mike Riley in 2021, you're with Laura Siddle on the triathlonish podcast just before the end of the year. And a common theme that I kind of pulled from all of those was that you, you have an incredible work ethic. So have you always been a hard worker? And this is in your professional life as well as, I mean, or athletics. I mean, it seems like every single part of your life. I think that I'm an all in person. So unfortunately in college, I was all in in other things, if you know what I mean, like partying and going out with my friends, but I was all in, right? It was it was all or nothing. And, and I, I think that I got to a point when I was in my, after I graduated college, I think I got to the point where I realized that I was the only one that was going to do this for me. No one else was going to make this happen. And I moved to New York after I graduated from college and really hit the ground running, literally, and, uh, and, and haven't stopped. Uh, people always ask me, like, how I do everything. And over the years, I've realized, and, and you may have heard me say this, is it's not how do you do everything, it's I get to do all of this. That's the way that I sort of look at it. I am so blessed to have the job that I have and have the kids that I have and have the life that I have, this life that I've created and worked very hard um, to have. And I don't take it for granted for one second. Now, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't want to adult today. I, I just, you know, I want to take, a, take it slow. But then I realize that, that this is the opportunity that I get and you really have to make the most of it. I get to go out for long runs. My legs allow me to do that. And, and I'm very thankful for that because there's so many people who don't and can't. And, um, and so I, I think that that mentality of flipping it and not looking at it as a, how do I have to do this? Or how do I do this? And, and I get to is, is sort of the main thing for me. Yeah, always trying to find that mindset, um, even me some mornings, but uh, I, I met you through the clash races in Watkins Glen and Daytona. And I was actually surprised when I listened to these other conversations to find out that you were the one who reached out to clash yes. to become part of that broadcast media team. So you were already working in the NFL, you're already working with NASCAR. And what made you want to take the initiative to join a triathlon broadcast team? So obviously I've done some stuff with the Ironman folks. So I, I've seen their broadcast before and I love the sport. And 
I was sitting in the makeup room last year and one of the camera guys that that works with us on our show, he had just come back from, I think, The Clash Miami. And I had known that Ben Kennedy and Bill Christie and all those folks were, were, were doing this triathlon event at racetracks. And I said to my camera guy, I go, I, you know, I'd really like to get involved in that somehow. But unfortunately, I think the races are on Saturday and Sunday, right? And he said, no, actually, they're doing a lot of them on Fridays now. And I was like, well, okay. So then I tear my hamstring and I'm having, I have surgery and I'm literally laying around for six or seven weeks, not doing anything. And I was like, I'm going to call Ben Kennedy and see if he can put me in touch with Bill Christie. So I did and put me in touch with Bill. And what I said to Bill was, listen, I know that you guys are smaller now, but I also know that you guys are growing. So even if there's not a place for me now, just keep me in mind as you guys continue to grow, because this is absolute. this is TV and triathlon. These are my two worlds, two things that I love and I care about. And I've, and I, and I do at a high level and I put so much time into, they're just colliding. And this is something I want to be a part of. And then the Watkins Glen thing came up uh, very shortly afterwards. Cause I know I was still recovering when I, when I met you guys at Watkins Glen. So it wasn't very long after I had that conversation. Timing's everything, you know that, everybody knows that. And my timing was perfect uh, to call Bill and to kind of get in his ear. And now I, um, I'm so blessed cause I worked Daytona and now I'm gonna work Clash Miami. And it's just, it's just rolling and it's so much fun. You guys, you guys, guys are the reason I, I do this like I love being there race morning like pre-race we're standing there in, in you know you know in the transition or at the swim start and seeing you guys and the focus on your eyes and knowing where you guys are mentally because I've been you know I've been there you know race morning I, I know what you guys are going through and to see that is just I, I love it I just ugh, I love it so much yeah, I had no idea that your hamstring injury was like our win, but because <laughs> it was so cool to meet you there. And I do find it fascinating because I looked up, you know, a stat on football NFL broadcast, and I think it's like 82 of the top 100 most TV broadcasts in the US last year were NFL games. So it's one thing to bring your A game when you know millions of people are watching, but I know you do some serious homework before your triathlon broadcast. You research people like me, figure out we have the same birthday, even though actually I probably have put that on the internet, but, um, but still you're fine. You came very prepared. It was very obvious. So does that kind of commitment come from, is it just a desire to showcase the sport that you love or is it pride in your work combination of both? I think it's, I think it's a lot of things. It's, it's um, a respect. It's a respect for the sport. It's a respect for the people that are involved. I mean, I would be doing no one a service if I just showed up and mailed it in. And there's a lot of people that worked really hard, a lot harder than I did on that broadcast. And, and, you know, I, could you go into a race, not prepared? Like, how would you feel? Even if it's a, even if it's a, you know, it's not your, your world championship, right? You're still going to be prepared. You're still going to have your nutrition ready. You're still going to have air in your tires. You're still going to have your, your, your transition gear set up the way that you do everything else. Like you have a process and that process doesn't change regardless of, of what you're doing or, or, you know, what level you're doing it at. It's still your process and it's what's worked for you for so long. And so that's after, again, it's the 10,000 hour thing, right? Once you get to a certain point, you know what your process is and, and you lean on that because it's, it's served you well so many times. And it's fun too, like getting you guys on the phone and talking to you guys on the phone. That's not work. Like that was awesome to have those conversations with you. I hang up with you guys and I'm like, that was awesome. I can't wait to sit down and like write all these notes and come up with my stories and share this with our crew 
what you know what Haley just told me or what you know what so and so just told me that's it's it's fun for me and 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 again I'm I'm blessed you can't fake passion that's another thing that I say all the time you cannot fake passion if you are not passionate about something you can't fake it and there's no question um where my passions lie and I'm really blessed that I get to work in those areas that I'm so passionate about and I don't take that lightly regardless of uh of where my product is being shown um or or who I'm working with yeah so what if you did what if you did spend all this time researching me you have these conversations with me you say it's fun but it's still it's still work and then like I bomb the race I'm not even a factor they don't use the interview would you ever feel like oh I could have gone for a run instead of chatting with that person like do you always feel like the work is worth it even if it doesn't even result in the product Heck yeah, man, because I think relationships are everything too. And I think building relationships are, I love people. And, you know, there's tons of times that I talk to players, like I've done interviews with players and then the morning of realize that they're not even going to be active. Um, and you're like, man, like I could have talked to somebody else. You do say that, but then you're like, but I got 10 minutes on the phone with so-and-so and was able to really, and that was a great conversation. And I really liked talking to him or her. And we got, we had a, like, it was fun. And I learned more just in that conversation that, you know, I can ask questions based on what I learned from that person. So I don't think anything is, is not usable in some way or beneficial in some way. And especially when it comes to relationships that you're building. I think that's, I mean, that's everything in life, no matter what industry you're in, uh, the relationships that you build with people are key in, in growth, not only personal growth, but obviously professional growth as well. And so Watkins Glen and Daytona, they were very different media experiences for races. Watkins Glen was more of a documentary. Daytona mm -hmm. had live coverage. So can you talk about the experience at each of those? Yeah, so Watkins Glen was cool because I got to sit down with you guys, right? I got to sit down and talk to you guys and get to know you a little bit. And it was so funny because it was a lot of uh, stand-ups. So you just stand there and kind of talk and and lead to to pieces. And I was super, I wasn't nervous, but I was really anxious to nail those, those because we didn't have a prompter or anything. So it was a lot of memorization. And I wanted to nail it because it was the first time I was working with this group. And, you know, sometimes when you're trying to remember, you know, uh, seven or eight, eight sentences that all have to string together and you can't say ums and you can't say ahs and you have to you know obviously get through it in a certain amount of time uh i have anxiety and my anxiety kicks in and you're like oh just get through it and so i rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and then you also want it to sound natural not like you're you've memorized something so you work on your cadence and you work on this and uh, i was really anxious to kind of get through that and make sure i did a good job because it's the first time i'm working with this new group and when I sat down with you guys, you know, I'm trying to feel out personalities, right? Like I ask, you know, Starkey a question and I'm like, oh crap, I just pissed him off. Um, but you That's know, you natural get, state of being. I know, <laughs> I know. But then also you're like, but that was a really good soundbite because I got him a little bit, you know, upset. But that was a really good soundbite that they ended up using. Did you call him old? <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked him about quitting or something like that. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's a good playing. one. You know, because I mean, he had gotten injured in some races and this and that. I and and you know, obviously his story is so uh, dynamic and and the things that he's experienced and some of the tough times he's experienced. I think I asked him if he ever, you know, if he ever considered, you know, quitting. And he's like, I think 
that that made it in the documentary. Yeah. That soundbite did. I do remember that. <laughs> it was intense. It's like a very happy documentary, and then you have Starkey being like, "I'd rather die." Yeah, but like I mean, that. you can feel body, like you could feel the energy. You could feel. I am. Um, it's funny. This past weekend, I was working. Um, the it's not the Clash Endurance, but the Clash at the Coliseum, and um, I was interviewing Mario Lopez, and um, I I had to call him AC Slater. I mean, come on, I had to call him AC Slater, and I don't know if he liked it very much, and I could kind of feel his energy change just in the same way. It's just reading people. Um, but you know, hey, listen, I got a great quote out of. Starkey because of it. And so Watkins Glen was really cool for that, for that, right? It was the first time I was working with you guys. I got to build some relationships, spend one-on-one -on -one time with you guys, but then watching you guys in action, like that's, I mean, you guys are so incredible. And to watch you guys, the way that you operate and the way that you do things, you're, I mean, it's the same reason that I love covering the NFL. The athleticism is so impressive and so beautiful. And just it blows you away to to watch you guys operate it's swimming i remember one time i was swimming at um at the aquatic center here training for something and ryan lochte and and the 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 olympians were training for brazil it, like in the lanes next to us and i was like at first i was like ah cool ah cool you know you got this as i have like my old lady like my my speakers in my ears you know i'm like you know but by the end of it i was underwater just watching them operate underneath the water because when are you ever going to get a chance to see olympian olympic swimmers in a lane next to you pulling awake as they're you know as they're doing 25s and so just to watch you guys operate is so beautiful and so impressive it's i love i mean it's just it blows me away and it's it's um again i i just love it so much so that was the difference between those two things i didn't really get to see you at Watkins Glen. i wasn't out on the course with you i didn't get to see you guys operate and i got to see it firsthand uh at clash daytona which was cool yeah the venue at daytona does make it very cool how you can see so much yeah. and kind of talking more about your own, your own athletic career and your own mindset that you bring to that. Obviously you're a fan of the sport and you're appreciative of really good athletes. Um, I wish I had Ryan Lochte's underwaters. Those are <laughs> things of beauty, but I know your own Ironman journey has been like really tough. I mean, you were thwarted by a hurricane, a pandemic, a torn hamstring, so is that the same kind of thing where you're like, okay, long-term, this training that I put in, the early mornings, the bike rides, they will still pay off hopefully down the road or the process was worth it? So the first one that you're, you're referring to was uh, Hurricane Michael hit right before, I, I, I want to say 2018, I could be wrong on that year, 2017 or 2018, uh, Ironman Florida. And I was training for Ironman Florida that year and two weeks before the event. So I remember I was on my trainer. I had some friends here in the Charlotte area that were also training for that event. And we're literally on CNN or whatever channel we were watching, uh, Fox News, CNN, whatever you want. Um, we were watching um, this, uh, this hurricane kind of just you know hit the the florida panhandle and uh, i was on i was on the trainer i was on my last like 100 mile bike ride because you know, obviously two weeks out you're getting ready to taper and you're just seeing this devastation and and you know that the race isn't going to go on and should not go on yes there was a lot of disappointment but i just flipped gears and got into the new york city marathon and i went and ran the new york city marathon and i was so over prepared that i had so much fun it was the second time i had run that and i had so much fun in that race because I was like 
I was like, I got this, like I'm just doing a marathon. And so the answer to that is no. Same thing with, with the recent uh, pandemic and, and the cancellation of Kona. Yes, disappointed because A, it was Kona and I was really, I was, I was just getting to the process where I was getting mentally prepared. I was starting to listen to podcasts about the, the course and, and how to attack like the, the swim and what to expect and, you know, on the, on the, um, the, you know, on the bike ride, the winds, the crosswinds, all that stuff. So I was just kind of really starting to get prepared. Um, again, I switched gears and went to the Chicago marathon and, and had a great time, got a PR in, in, in that race. I think the thing that disappointed me most about that was I kind of like, was like, all right, this is it. I, I can't train for another full because my kids are still pretty young. They still want to be around me. I have eight weekends off a year from sports and I was filling those eight weekends with long rides. And then, you know, you're, you're junk, you're, you're junk the rest of the day you can't be present because you're tired. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore until my kids don't want to be around me until they go to college. So I kind of was like my, my full distance uh, career is on hold. And so I think that's what disappointed me was that I didn't get to do a full distance before I officially said, like, I got to give this a break. Um, I'll still do 70.3s if I, I've kind of lost the try bug a little bit. I, I know I'll find it again. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to focus on trying to do the New York City Marathon next year as I'm still recovering. So like I said, I know I'll find that try bug again, but being out of the pool for a little bit, I got to admit, like, it's not a bad thing. I know you're a swimmer. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can relate. No worries. I mean, I understand. I do understand. And you have plenty of time. You have like yeah. so much time. Um, I mean, it will still, Ironman will be there for you when it happens, but yeah. or class, right? Could, yeah. Or class. I was going to say, like, I know that the timing for clash is hard, but I'm like with, you know, NFL, NASCAR, everything else going on during, especially Miami and Daytona, but those sprint races, like I got, I had friends racing in Daytona on the sprint race because I got to race on Friday and then watch them race on Saturday. It was so cool. Like it was, I was like, the sprint distance is an awesome distance, especially when you're racing on a track like that. Totally. 100%. So fun. You can go as fast as you want. And how was Lake Lloyd though? That's my question. It was great. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm said that they got hit by like, like, like bumped up by, by fish. I hate open water swimming, Haley. I hate open water swimming. I have to close my eyes when my, when my face is in the water because I start looking for stuff. So I you only can't see anything. My, it's like brown. <laughs> I look for stuff though. Like, and then like when the light reflects on the water at certain ways, I'm like, that was a snake. <laughs> I have swum in so many things and like, I have never, I've never, I don't know. Nothing's Not ever blood, touched right? me. Never, yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't, I do recognize I'm like very lucky because I have college teammates, Olympic gold medalists who are also afraid of open water swimming. So yeah. that is like a very, I'm, I have plenty of phobias and for some reason open water swimming is not one of them I love it. but i do think opening your eyes would be helpful i mean for sighting for buoys that kind of thing like Lloyd is also pretty cold and like sometimes i think the colder bodies of water like i'm like ah, oh, there's less things in here like yeah cool. i do open my eyes to sight so when i pull my okay. head up i'm not closing my eyes the whole just when it's in the water so close open close open so so much work oh my goodness yeah, no, no work <laughs> is my heart rate going up because i think i just saw a snake or a shark or an alligator like in the water next to me because the light reflected off a ripple or something like so i'm, I'm good they don't want you the wildlife doesn't want they don't want they don't they want to stay far away um but tell us a little bit more about your hamstring because i know that a lot of a lot of 
athletes, runners, triathletes do have issues with hamstring injuries and your, your injury was pretty severe. Yeah. So I definitely, I, I strained it or I did something back in, when was it? 2019, maybe I had done two or three 70.3s and I was training for the Chicago marathon and I was out for like a 20 mile run. And I remember straining it. I would just, I, it just, I was just running. I didn't do anything crazy. And I felt it kind of just tighten up. Um, actually, I think it was in New York and I made it through that marathon. And if you saw the back of me, I was like KT taped up. I looked like a rag doll that was being like held together by KT tape. Um, and, and I got through it. So that was a couple of years ago and it, you know, just like a hamstring you'd feel it every once in a while if it was cold or if you you know if it was too tight but i was i was coaching my kids cross country team uh in like last year and we were out on a track and they needed a fourth person on a four by 200 relay and we had already done like three miles that day just kind of like running around and i took that baton from that kid and i was gonna kick that 12 year old's butt next to me and i took off running and it just went all three tendons it was I can like ugh, it was not a great feeling I went straight down and luckily I, I have some contacts and I was able to really kind of use those contacts and get in with the doctor that I wanted to get in with who's a Panthers the Carolina Panthers um, hamstring specialist orthopedic surgeon and I got I had surgery 10 days after my injury which was super fast because I know for a lot of people it takes a lot longer again Fox Sports is so great I had to miss um, I had to miss three, uh, how many, like, I think I missed three, three months, uh, 10 weeks, 12 weeks oh, of, of work. Yeah. Because I couldn't sit. I couldn't sit. It was, yeah, it was, it was tough. I was non-weight bearing in a brace for, for seven weeks. Oh my goodness. It was tough. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's been almost, uh, it's been 11 months now and I am back to running stadium stairs. I think my longest run has been about eight miles, which is great. I feel, I feel really, really good, but it was a long process. And, and it really taught me a lot uh, about what the athletes that I cover go through. Obviously the NFL constantly dealing with injuries. I've spoken to a lot of the players about that kind of telling them how I, I thought about them during my recovery time. I, I think about them now kind of what they have to go through, how hard it is. And again, I'm, I'm, I look at everything as a blessing. There's a, there's a reason why something happens to people. There's a reason why you're in that place. There's a lesson that has to be learned. If you don't learn the lesson from something, then you're missing that opportunity. And um, I think it was a really great lesson to kind of like, hey, slow down, reevaluate, figure out what you want, and um, you'll come back stronger. And I, and I know I will. Yeah. So when we talked before Daytona, uh, you kind of gave me a little bit of insight on the history of the track and you encouraged me to do some Googling so I could yeah. appreciate that I was like racing on sacred ground. Yeah. And so what has your time as a sports reporter and an athlete kind of taught you about the value of knowing the history of a sport and its venue? Again, I, it's not like research to me. It's fun. It's these storylines. It's piecing everything together. And I've been covering NASCAR for 20 years. So it's really hard not to understand and love the history of the sport, especially a place like Daytona, where we kick off the season every single year with the Daytona 500. You know how special that is. You feel how special it is. The drivers know. And that, so that place is, I mean, it's the birthplace of NASCAR, this sport that I love to cover and, and have for, for so long and has given 
given so much to me. It's the same thing when I go to like, you know, if I go to Lambo or if I go to Soldier Field or if you go to Yankee Stadium, which I know is a new place, but you still kind of feel um, you feel that, that it's this is where this is the team. This is the team, right, where where everything kind of like moves around and especially in, in the NFL and some of the older stadiums. And, and if you don't appreciate that, then you don't appreciate the sport, right? Because it, that's the only reason that it's at the place where it's at. It's the same with triathlon. When you go back and watch some of the highlights um, of, of the, you know, the folks who ran in jean shorts and, you know, or or didn't have the the gear that we have right now and in in kind of how they started and where we are now. And I think that evolution is so important just to kind of be able to tell full stories. Yeah. Every time I've run past where like Julie Moss, you know, so cool. collapsed or where no. Paula Newby Frazier sat down, I'm like, Okay, I made it. You know, it's like there's a yeah. It's I think knowing that history is is important. Uh, do you have any advice or things that people should look up if they're planning to race in Miami or Daytona? Do you think there's anything that triathletes should know about those tracks? Oh my goodness, let me think. I mean, that's obviously where we ended the season so many years. We now ended in Phoenix, but it did end in Miami for so many years. I'll have to think about that. Miami, I mean, obviously that's, I live down in Fort Lauderdale. I grew up down there. I lived there for 20 years. And, you know, Hurricane Andrew was one of the reasons, like that whole area in Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, the, the walls are painted like a cool art deco green. It's, it's, you know, it's that Miami vibe. I'll get some cool nuggets for you. You know, the palm trees and just the, the mile and a half racetrack. And, and there's been some really great endings. I think Jimmy Johnson won, you know, all seven of his championships there. Um, none of them at Phoenix five in a row. So yeah, it's a, it's a really cool track. I will tell you this, that those drivers, it's a track that the drivers run right up by the wall. So obviously that's not the fastest way around for, for the triathletes, um, but it's the fastest way around for, for all that, those drivers. So maybe on the bike, maybe on the bike, you'll find that that that's a faster, a faster lane for you to take. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take any tip I can get. <laughs> um, in, in our, com in your conversation with Sid, you mentioned the pros being more relatable to age groupers as a way to kind of grow triathlon. Yeah. So do you think that means, you know, doing more YouTube videos, uh, talking to more pros, like how do we become more relatable? I think I did mention the Heather Jackson thing, right? Where I saw Heather. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Heather's YouTube, right? I think that was why, where I got the YouTube thing from. Yeah, where she was like throwing up after a bike ride, after a training session. And I, I think I reached out to her and I, and I said, you know, thank you. Because, you know, you, you look at like, you look at these pros who make it look so easy. You know, they're swimming laps or they're riding on their bike and they're, they're, they're you know, they're hitting these watts and, you know, they're hitting these times. And, uh, you know, Jason West gets off the bike and he runs a sub five minute mile and he doesn't even look like he's trying. And then I see this video where, where Heather's like throwing up after a training session and you're like, okay, so she is just like me, right? Like you are pushing your body to these extreme limits and it hurts, even though it looks easy, it does hurt. And I just think that that, I, I just love that. And so there's a lot of times where I'm on the bike or I'm doing something, I'm like Heather Jackson throwing up on the bike, Heather Jackson throwing up on the bike. And I kind of say that to myself because I'm like, it, it hurts for everybody. And the only way that you can, you can improve is by, is by making, is by, is like pushing that bubble a little bit further. So I, I think that just kind of pulling back that curtain with anything, one of the reasons I loved, I, I hate to say, I'm not, not saying loved, but I, I, 
the, the pandemic time was so interesting to me was because we got to see as we're doing right now into people's homes you got to see into people's lives either in the back of a car doing an interview or their kids are kind of running into it and i think that humanizing people that sometimes look like they're um they're not human because they're so incredible at what they do i think that helps us relate us the people who are not running sub five minute miles after you know getting off the the bike after 30 plus miles i think it helps us relate to you guys a lot better so you're saying like showing that we have bad days too or yeah um, i mean and then you know honestly being at that finish line i've never even when i was doing my 70.3s i didn't get to stand at the finish line and watch you guys cross the finish line and watch you guys and you know obviously you pull it together so quickly because your recovery is so fast but there is that you know five to ten minute sort of window where you're like holy crap and your body just starts to go all right what did i just do and seeing that is like wow because you're in such a zone you're in such a rhythm you're in such a a pace when you're out there you're so focused and then when you cross that finish line everything kind of becomes very clear and you're like i'm human like and and seeing that is to me is, is really cool seeing you guys hug each other seeing you know even though you guys were just fierce competitors and trying to beat each other you know on the track i think is a, a really cool perspective for people yeah good reminder because i do think i definitely live in a bubble sometimes where i'm you like everyone, everyone does this <laughs> yeah no you have to live are you saying you live in a bubble because you think the triathlon community is is so um because of the way that you guys are with each other yeah. Or I just like, I think that sometimes I think I'll be like, oh, Ironman is normal. Going for a hundred mile bike ride is no big deal. You know, that kind of thing. And I think that it's important to realize that it is a big deal. It is not what everyone does, but I think it is celebrating a 10 mile bike ride, celebrating, right. you know, a, a one mile run, like that's still a run. Um, and so that's something I've definitely worked on again, my Leoness. Yeah. <laughs> like be like, okay, have uh, some uh, like empathy and and realize that it's a big deal for other people and step outside that. So it's good to hear that from you and from I think that's something all of us pros can can relate to that. So maybe someone does want to know when things aren't perfect. I guess. Yeah, I think I think it shows like I mean, hey, I'm having a rough day, but you know what? I'm going to do this right. Or I just I don't know. I think everybody has rough days or so many times. And 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 obviously, like when you have full time jobs and you have kids and and you know you're getting. And I think for women, I, and I might have said this on Sid's podcast. I remember I was doing. It must have been. Tra it must have been. Must have been Santa Rosa. And I went through T1 and ran over to my kids and my son and my other son were fighting and my one son was crying and he had boogers coming down his nose and I kind of grabbed something and, and wiped his nose as I'm going through T1, you know, like, what am I doing? And I remember like in the, in, in the New York City Marathon, like I, I ran up and saw my kids at mile 16 and they had these clappers and one of them dropped the clapper and like they're, they're like the, the, like the things that kind of go together. And here I am like, after I'm six, 16 miles in, I'm like leaning down to pick this up and I'm like giving it back to him. And you know, it's, it's those moments that you're like this, I'm not just doing this physically. Like there's also this other, this whole other part that like I have to take care of. And I think women in this sport, you know, you know, and, and not all women, obviously, but there are a lot of other things that you have to think about besides just 
did I, you know, did I put enough gels out in, in, in T2 for my run? You have to, you know, worry, are my kids going to be all right? Are, are they going to be at this place so they can see me? Because if they don't, then they're going to be upset. And, you know, what are they doing? Are they fighting? My, I got done with the Chicago or the New York Marathon one year and crossed the finish line, found my family. And, um, you know, their dad is like, uh, hold on, take them. I have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, you just had 26 miles. You couldn't have found a bathroom on the way to the finish line. And I'm like, okay. And so then he leaves and I'm here with these, you know, two 10 year olds, I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. So I just think as, as women in this sport, especially to kind of show those real moments is really important. I think this is like an exceptional ability that you have. And I think that it comes through in your work and how you showcase our sport. I think we're so incredibly lucky to have you working in triathlon, to have you racing triathlon. Um, I wish you the best of luck with your continued hamstring recovery. And I can't wait to see you in Miami. I mean, I, I think that one's going to be, you know, a, a, not a live broadcast. It'll be more like a, more like Watkins Glen, which I, I'd be really cool. I, I am like, I'm excited to see how they, they always, I will say clash, you know, for, triathlon they come up with some really cool ideas and I think they're changing the sport in that way and I'm really excited about it yeah and there I've already kind of had some talks with Bill Christie and so I know some of the things that they have Ooh. in works yes and it's going to be really really cool and I'll definitely be hitting you up to try to get you on the phone to kind of chat with you uh before that race I don't think I'm going to be coming in coming in hot as um as as much as I was at Daytona I think I'm going to be able to come in a couple of days ahead of time but it is obviously during NASCAR season and, and my studio stuff uh, is on Saturdays and Sundays, but I have that Friday off and I think I have the days leading up to that. So I'll be able to come down. And if you guys are up for it, I don't know if you know this, Haley, but I run stadium stairs like almost everywhere that I go and I have never run Miami. So I know Sid had said that she wants to do it. Obviously, join. I don't want to burn out your legs too much, but maybe you can come I'm out. An endurance from. athlete. I'm an endurance athlete. I mean, it takes a little, hopefully it should take a little bit more than that. <laughs> um, no, hit me up. You have my number. Awesome. I, I want to do it. It'll be great. Um, that sounds, sounds fantastic. Again, I'm so excited to see you. Thank you again for, for chatting with me today. Absolutely. Anytime. Big thanks to Shannon for joining the show. So cool to hear more about her. And while Miami will not have a live broadcast, it is going to have a highlight show. We'll have tracking during the race, obviously highlight show after. So everyone should tune in to see Shannon, hopefully myself and also our producer, Ella. She is racing um, in Miami as well. So we are going to have a, a full on like kind of Iron Woman-esque race there. It should be a fun time. Yeah, I'm excited and um, no promises, but we might have a special episode coming up in a few weeks too with Ella and Haley and perhaps some of what all of our listeners love that raw post-race excitement. Uh, what's the word I want? Like this um, is, yeah, this is definitely excitement. Like <laughs> it could be a uh, fatigue. It could be fatigue. like, I don't know. Yeah. Those, those he, raw finish line feelings will be yes, hopefully feelings. Coming out. Yeah. I like that. I think, um, I mean, yeah, we'll have to like, this is another, uh, big incentive for probably Haley and Ella to both, uh, manage that heat really well so that hopefully <laughs> we can make this happen. So yeah, no promises. <laughs> We're going to try though. We'll see what happens. It's always a special event when there's like two of us in person at a race. So, you know, me and Ella, we're going to, we're going to see if we can, you know, represent during and after the race. We'll see. Stay tuned. 
and no better way for Ella to have her first Iron Women interview than, than in that condition, I'm sure. So really excited. Thanks to Shannon for making the time for us. And Haley, I think that's all. Keep sending that nice warmer weather my way, please. Yeah, no problem. Got it on, on tap for you. I'll talk to you later, Alyssa. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.